and welcome to Media Plus from the Mac Observer. It's a podcast where we look at the digital media landscape and Apple's place within it. And today we've let him back. You can decide whether it's a good decision in a few minutes or not, but Mick Wright is back. Hello, Mick. How are you doing? Hello. Good to be here again. And the reason why we've let Mick back is because... He's going to go a bit meta. We've had podcasters talking about podcasters. Now I'm going to have a Substacker talking about Substack, uh, which I discussed on a previous episode a bit with Steve O'Hare when there was a few different platforms trying to challenge it as the kind of predominant or certainly most talked about newsletter outlet. Um, Things have changed a bit since I had that great conversation with Steve. And so I wanted to speak to someone who is kind of at the epicenter of all of it, who is right on the front line of producing this kind of content and using this platform. So welcome back, Mick. How's it all been going? Good. Good. Thank you. Uh, Yes. Just eager to escape from lockdown so I can have more things to write about in the outside world. That'll be good. Well, I think there is actually a whole story to be told. Maybe we'll do it on this podcast about doing journalism whilst not being able to leave your home, basically. But that's a, a different episode. But Yeah, I, I mean, I just I just did a, a big piece about um, a commune in the US that uh, had been uh, dis- dis- decided upon by, the, by TikTok as a cult. And that was interesting because I was doing journalism in the way that I've done for many years, which is talking to loads of sources in the US and doing it entirely from my house. So yes. it reminded me that actually lockdown has not restricted a lot of reporting in some ways. Well, but, and uh, no, and the kind of the tools we have now make actually doing some of those kind of stories easier than they would have been, you know, even just a few years ago. Exactly, yeah. But it, it, you're definitely right. It'd be good to kind of get out and write about the world. And you're, you've been writing for a while now on Substack. You produce a show, uh, a, a publication called Conquest of the Useless. No indication, might I add, about the person that writes it. Um, <laughs> it, it comes out every day. You're amazingly dedicated. It was a bank holiday yesterday on Monday in the UK for the over the Easter period and the and Good Friday as well. And you produced content, I think, on both those days. Something arrived in my inbox. Yeah, it's come out every day uh, since last June, with, I think, the exception of three days I had off over Christmas. Over Christmas. And, now, um, and I think yeah. that's a good entry point to our conversation because a lot of attention recently has gone to big names on Substack. And now, while I was saying to you before, yours is one of the only a couple of publications I pay for on that platform. There are, if I can put it gently, probably more famous people than you using. Yeah, I mean, mine, my, mine is a small, a small town, ta- small town, a town, time, small time endeavor, really, in the sense that, um, like, I'm a known journalist within the UK, yeah, and I've written absolutely. for a lot of um, fairly big publications, and, and for a time, I was. Uh, a good few years back, I was I was a comment writer on the Telegraph, and that gave me a little bit more uh, uh, sort of um, profile. But no, I, I, my my newsletter is on its way towards two thousand subscribers. Very good. About ten percent of them are paid subscribers. Um, in fact, just uh, yeah, just over ten percent are paid subscribers at the moment. Which which for me as an individual is. Um, not a bad amount of extra income it's obviously not uh it's not enough income on its own to sustain uh you know keep body and soul together um i mean i'm looking at the graph now and the current annual 
gross annualized revenue if it, if it stays at the rate it is at the moment would be it would bring in about seven thousand dollars over the over the course of the year now that's so, nothing know. to be sniffed at from something you have made on your own off your own back far from it it's a pretty significant achievement to go from zero to two thousand subscribers in you know six nine months or whatever i would say that's a yeah that's since june 16th 2020 it's 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 gone from it's gone from zero subscribers to 1,600 and, and should should hit 2,000, I would say, at the current growth rate in the next two to three months, probably. And so, yeah. we, again, uh, I cannot emphasize this enough, going from zero to that is a huge achievement. And I want to unpack with you a bit how much the platform itself helped you get to that level. But a lot of the attention has gone on to some of the big name writers recently. Yeah, um, that's true. And there's, and, and because Substack has a, has a program called um, Substack Pro, which has, we think around 30 writers who were paid advances uh, on their first year's income. Uh, or in the case of Casey Newton, who I know is someone that we both read, he didn't take an advance, but he took a healthcare package, a health insurance right. package from them. I had wondered uh, if so. Casey Newton, as I'm sure many listeners will know, was one of was a senior uh, uh, writer and editor at The Verge, and started his his publication called Platformer. Um, so he appears to be one of the people who is on that pro platform. And yeah, he said he is. He's yeah. been, he 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 discussed it when he was moving from the verge uh yeah, yeah, yeah. and explaining why he he, he wanted to make because yeah obviously that's quite a big leap for someone to make and so there's a kind of small coterie of people maybe you know three dozen thirty odd people like that and that's a really interesting part of it because some of it as you say is people taking advance almost like a book deal um yeah it's exactly like a book deal because they take a lower they don't they take a lower or no um uh, amount of the income that comes in till they earn out the advance basically yeah uh, whereas i you know a a percentage of of the money that comes in to my uh, through my paid subscribers part of that uh, goes to substack as a platform and then another small part of that percentage goes to stripe as the payment processor yeah so it's essentially a 90 10 split isn't it that's what it basically works out at, yeah um, and for i mean no, for sorry me, and 90 percent of it going to the writer to the writer yeah and for me that works fine i mean because it, you know in a sense this is money that i wasn't getting to start with of course you could set up your own um, it is possible to set up your own email list and connect it yourself to a payment processor but it's a pain yeah, and that's why uh, that's the current benefit of Substack versus you know I had um, in the past dabbled on things like Tiny Letter, which was eventually bought by Mailchimp. Mailchimp I've used uh, too, which but Mailchimp suits really suits more I think um, companies. Really, it's like it's a very it's like a really powerful email platform for. Uh, you know, retail companies or, or, or businesses of lots of different kinds. Yeah, it's for kind of, it feels more like a advertising platform for a brand or that kind of thing. Yeah, I think the benefit of uh, at the, and and more and more there are more Substack alternatives coming up. I mean, the one that comes to mind is is Ghost. Uh, there are yes. others um, who are trying to uh, you know uh, enable people in having that you know connecting a. Uh, an email list to a payment provider and keeping track of 
of of you know who subscribe, who gets the premium newsletter, and who gets the free one. Um, and the, I think the thing we can conclude, whatever kind of numbers you're dealing with, um, su- Substack is, and I, I've played around with the software a bit. Um, it is the easiest to set up. It is the yes. easiest to take money from, if that is your intention. It's and it it has a it's clear in the stats in that it, it, it stats are very simple. It doesn't overdo it with the analytics, which I think is quite good. I think often uh, it's quite a negative thing as a as a writer. I think to be too deep into the stats. Yes, you can get Google, you can lose yourself in Google Analytics. We've all done. Yeah, that, and, I, and I mean, I've worked at I've worked at publications where the where. Uh, the Google Analytics and the other analytics in CMSs w- w- started to drive uh, the editorial priorities a yeah. lot. And as an individual, you've got to be careful of that because, um, you know, you're not even working in a team where you can debate those choices. You're kind of just making those choices mm. on your own. And the the thing, when you read the kind of Substack's own Substack, if I can put it that way. It publishes newsletters and kind of blog posts about itself on a semi-frequent basis. Um, it talks about a lot about how it wants to give a voice and a space to independent writers and it wants to reshape the media industry, which, you know, in different parts of it are finding it difficult, the most obvious being print. Yeah. Um, and it I don't wants- believe any of that, to be honest. Okay, go on. <laughs> On, in the Tim. sense, well, in the sense that it, it's it, it's well, not that I don't believe it. I think I believe it to a certain extent. But but Substack has taken venture capital. All firms that take venture capital eventually have to pay the piper. In the sense that you know they need to show a return. Um, uh, so my my view on it is uh, I, I don't I never believe the kind of um, uh, utopian vision that these places. Put out. But Mick, we know this from your last appearance. That's because you're a deep cynic. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's. I think I think most journalists are deep cynics. It's what makes you question things and look in and say, quite "Hang right on, too. that doesn't make sense to start with." And quite, I mean, quite right too. But but, but 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 what I will say is, I'm not as cynical as some people who say, "Look at the Substack um, Pro thing and say, ah, well, Substack is." is effectively an editorial organization because it's making editorial choices about who it backs. I don't think it's doing that. I think it's doing what um, it has the tech company approach of looking at these people and saying, these people have big audiences. If we bring them here, that will likely lure other writers with smaller audiences to come here too. And so it's a, it's a promotional thing. I'm not sure that it's about them um, validating the uh, opinions of those writers it's merely saying do you know what these writers have an audience and we can leverage that audience to increase the number of people on our platform um yeah i think think it should be more honest about that i think it should be more honest about that why it's doing it and i think the rhetoric almost distracts from that in a way yeah so that i think there is a a legitimate i don't know it entirely works the whole way through but there is a legitimate comparison to be made with say facebook who says well we're not a we're not an editorial publication we're a platform we're not editors we're a platform anyone can post what they want here within our editorial guidelines um we've seen plenty of occasions we could go on where that goes horribly 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 wrong um 
uh, Substack takes a different approach. It's made that very clear again in its own post, saying basically the only people that see what you put on Substack are the people you let see. You know, you have to choose to read people's newsletters or the version of it online. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, 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 and it also has done things like provided legal support so there's a legal fund i think that operates in america and there are some other and you've discussed the pro film so it is not batting away particularly that it is also a media company or at least a media platform it isn't backing away from that particularly no it's not but i think but it's not offering to be your editor no, exactly. And and so I think that distinction is important. And I think that people who are saying, but the other thing, people who are saying, oh, it's an editor or, or it validates these people's viewpoints. Well, look, controversial writers like Andrew Sullivan, for instance, who already had a massive email uh, database before he you know got onto Substack or Barry Weiss, who moved from the New York Times and, and is, you know, applying her trade partially on Substack. These people already had huge audiences. They didn't need Substack to make that audience. And I think the balance of power was in their favor when they came to Substack. Um, and I'm not sure that it's intellectually rigorous to say, oh, because Substack gave um, pro deals to some of these people, that it, it totally buys into all of their viewpoints. I don't think that. I think it's a much more mercenary thing of saying, these people have audiences. They will. Other people will come to write here. Yeah, um, I think that's right. And it's like it's making a free speech argument as well. It's saying we give within reason a wide range of view. We give a place for a wide range of views. If you don't like some of those views, you do not have to subscribe to those people's newsletters. Exactly that, you know. And and uh, like I, I don't like. I'm I'm no fan of either of those people, if I'm honest. But. Again, I don't, I, I just, it's so interesting to have seen the discourse around Substack, the kind of meta discourse around Substack that's grown up is this, of this idea that it um, is somehow uh, more right wing in its mindset than other tech companies, or that it's somehow pro uh, the stances that Andrew Sullivan or Barry Weiss or whoever else might take. And I just, I don't, I, I, again, I just don't think it's intellectually rigorous as an argument. And, but, and the other thing I would say is that Substack surely I think must understand that it has to get some balance, right? Because, and, and frame itself at more as a platform than, than on any uh, clearly defined political side, because otherwise it won't, reach the numbers it wants to yeah reach. i don't think that's the game i don't think i think it would be deeply deeply disingenuous just because there's a few controversial writers on there i mean you could pick any side of the political spectrum and find someone controversial from it on sub substack this is not yeah. i mean to put it really crudely substack is not long form parlor let's just le put it there and leave no it like not that. at all and uh, the other thing is i i would say is that substack also doesn't it has no platform lock-in. No, um, and it's very right. keen to emphasise that. You can download your email list and leave at any point. Yeah, exactly. And 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 reconnect and connecting that email list uh and Stripe in in in, in a number of competitors is, is 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 a pain, but it's not hard. You know, it's just a bit of an irritation. And I actually I want to talk about that a bit because a friend of this show and a friend of the Mac Observers, Tom Webster from Edison Research, did that recently. He said he had 
he'd been on Substack for a year and he no longer want he didn't want to rent basically he didn't want to rent the property he wanted to own it uh, and he wrote a whole uh, version of his I Hear Things newsletter on that. And it's a really interesting point he takes because he, he's saying, one, he downloaded the list, but has his own server and sends his emails to the same people. And that's fine. And Substack has no problem with you doing that. He would obviously prefer you stayed because it takes your 10% if you're a paid writer. Uh, this His newsletter was not a paid one. And it, so he like other people may do with some of the rivals you've said made the decision to go elsewhere and that's fine i think the big advantage substack has and we sort of go full circle in our conversation is how easy it makes people to make money of whatever level now i think there's lots of people who thought oh i couldn't i don't want to build an email list and like i can't i've faffed around in the past with you know different ways of getting small subscriptions to a newsletter, but it's a pain and Substack makes it easy. But you are re- your rent is like the equivalent of renting your home or having a mortgage, basically, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there is another aspect to it, which is people are getting, uh, people are becoming aware, the audience is becoming aware that Substack's a place where you can subscribe to newsletters, Yeah, right? So you do benefit slightly from a kind of... Um, brand awareness yeah. slash confidence in a brand thing because they know that they are that that it's built on this infrastructure and it's clear what the infrastructure is there are stuff like that you know substack has this thing um substack reader where you can uh, yes they reinvented the rss reader it's basically rss reader right but it, that's quite convenient as well if you want to just have all your emails in one long list that you can scroll down through sure um and so there are kind of there are ways that Substack can help writers uh, in less obvious ways than the, the the Substack Pro thing. You know, I'm sure I benefit sometimes from a network effect. Uh, okay, explain that. That's interesting. Well, because you know, you're, um, for instance, people can go on be on the Substack a main Substack website and. Uh, see that because they follow you on Twitter, for instance, oh, you have a Substack newsletter also, right? Because sure. they can, there's a system there where you can just put in, your, you know, connect your Twitter in and go, here are all the newsletters that people uh, who you follow on Twitter have. And I've definitely seen people s- sign up because of that. Not not most. And I have to say, I've got to a decent number because I have an okay number of Twitter followers. Sure. And that's been the main driver for that. And as time goes on, I need to get better at promoting the newsletter elsewhere because the main driver to to nearly two thousand has been has been Twitter. And obviously, I'll have to expand beyond that as I you know want to keep growing. And, and every newsletter I think is going to have a natural ceiling. Certainly, if like mine, you know, it's it's. Uh, I guess media criticism isn't that niche, but it's niche enough that there are only a certain number of people who want to read about it seven days a week. Yeah, and yeah, you do produce seven stuff days a week, including extra stuff for paid subscribers. And I think it's there is a network effect and link, you know, kind of in your own bubble in social. You can, you know, if you end up only picking things on Substack that you read that you agree with already and much as you already agree with when you're kind of reinforcing your own bubble. But I, I want to know what the experience of actually producing that content, as you say, seven days a week on this platform is like. Well, it's not if a, someone listening to the show was like, oh, I've heard a lot about this Substack thing, which I assume lots of our listeners have. Um, 
maybe I should do it. Maybe it will either help me with my day job. Maybe it will provide me a second income stream. Maybe this is a thing I could make for myself. I've always wanted to be an independent writer. This is a thing I could do to make that happen. What's your kind of view on that? And what's your advice? Well, apart from drink a lot of coffee. Well, I don't actually. I don't drink coffee at all. But um, uh, other other stimulants are available, such as energy drinks. But um, yeah, I uh, well, one thing I would say is, look, writing seven days a week is is extreme, right? Most people don't. Um, a lot of people do newsletters are either weekly or 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 um, twice weekly or something like that. And I think probably people who are starting out doing a newsletter might want to do something like that because it's it's more sustainable. Um, particularly if you're doing other things. I mean, I'm a freelance writer and I find writing seven days a week on the newsletter means that I write more of other things. And I find it a good exercise in uh, maintaining, uh, just just keeping my brain really active, you know? And also I, I, I've been a star for newspapers and, and magazines in the past. So for me to write seven days, you know, to write to order every day is, you know, that's just a muscle that I built up over years anyway. So probably explains why I do it. Plus also mostly the newsletters run to the maximum of about 500 words, sometimes more like 350, 400. You're definitely one of the more restrained Substack writers. There are people who, um, how can I put it, are quite self-indulgent and possibly could do with Substack having editors say, (laughs) this this does not need to be 1500 words today. But then I'm a, yeah, but then again, I I guess I benefit from years and years of working with editors and I still work with editors. You know, I was saying the other day that uh, the piece I mentioned before that I wrote for Input Mag in in the US, it was really spending every, every day writing at least one email newsletter. It was really good and enjoyable um, Mark Yama input, like working with him on a, a long form piece over there was great because it's really nice to be working with an editor mm. and be pushed, have someone push back on, you know, various points well, in the piece or say, could you strengthen this or strengthen that? And the trouble with newsletters to a certain extent is, of course, is you are your own editor. And if you are self-indulgent, uh, it's going to run riot. <laughs> and I and think then, that yeah, there, the there's end, no one to tell you to stop. And I think yeah. that's actually a really important point because... I mean, we see this in podcasting a bit as well. You know, I try and be very self-disciplined on this show and make sure it only listens, goes to kind of 30 minutes or so. Um, but maybe if I didn't have the editors and bosses who are very experienced in podcast making at the Mac Observer going, Charlotte, you really don't need to talk for two hours. No one needs to listen to you for two hours. Then perhaps I, you know, again, if it was just totally off my own back, you can sort of lose that self-discipline a bit. And I think that's a really interesting thing for where media is going, actually. If there if there are no editors, what happens? There's a load of subs and um there's a load of sub editors and news editors having panic attacks that no one's gonna need them anymore. And Substack seems to behave in that way. But actually I'm this is true. I also think what is gonna probably happen is well, I mean one of the newsletters I, I read is called the New Q, C-U-E, um, and that is the editorial team from Q Magazine that closed last year. Which is a, take, I, I don't know if that went got to the US. It was a very famous music magazine here in the UK. Yeah, yeah it was a big UK. music magazine here. Um, it did it did get, um, it, it was 
in probably in the on the coasts you could yeah. get it um but anyway i used to work i used to work there um and so i i i pay for their newsletter and the interesting thing there is okay so that's a group newsletter so that does have editor you know that's basically they've replicated the editorial team that they had at the, in the final days of that magazine and now they're just using the substack as a distribution platform and i think what we'll see more and more is that newsletters um as we've seen with youtube where groups of uh, successful YouTube channels have become production companies or, yes, or, yes, or yes. groups. Yes, yes, yes. Very good comparison. What will happen with newsletters is over time, um, some of these newsletters will probably spin out out of Substack and form their own publishing companies where groups of newsletters work together and put, you know, and, and essentially uh, the um, artifice that, you know, the, the, the background structures that you have at magazines will be replicated because people will see the need for it. Um, it's all just in, a little bit of history way. repeating. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, exactly. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you before we round off. It's been a sure. fascinating conversation. One is I'm interested in your take on where a company like Apple could sit in this ecosystem of content production. Now, you mentioned YouTube, and we know that Apple plays a huge, Apple products, let's say, play a huge part in the video production ecosystem. It's not abundantly clear that they have uh, or have any interest in getting into a system of producing content of the like produced on Substack. Do you see a role for Apple in that in that kind of world? I haven't quite worked it out. I mean, they could clearly produce a tool that went through Apple News, say. Yeah, I mean, Apple, Apple, yeah, Apple News and Apple News Plus. Potentially, there's a way for smaller. Uh, you know, if if newsletters and and smaller niche um, publications continue to be uh, the direction of travel, which they are in a way, because if you look like for someone like me, okay, look, I'm not bringing in huge huge amounts of money through the newsletter, but it it washes its own face. It works in a way that big publications they can't. It's hard because you, you're constantly accruing costs. If that keeps happening, then perhaps there is something in the future, a way of of Apple saying, hey, this would be good if we could allow people to have move those subscriptions within to an Apple News Plus type infrastructure. So or, you know, allow small publications to make money through Apple News Plus potentially. But I don't see where the upside for Apple is really it's not financial upside. It's no, that doesn't of, mean I mean, there's no arguably no necessarily financial upside for them being a home for podcasts but they have put no i though i think that i think there's probably interesting things that may happen with the podcasting in the future well you're gonna to have to come back and discuss that then because of the way spotify because of the way spotify is kind of eating that yeah well yeah we will um grab you back for that um and just generally if we're having this conversation in six months and then a year's time what's substack going to look like is it going to look like a traditional media company is it going to look like automatic and wordpress whereby it's just the method of really is purely the method of distribution and what, what what's the direction of travel do you think uh, is it going to be tomorrow like yesterday's guy like medium um yeah oh, well, and we haven't even discussed the kind of collapse of medium um i would i would say in six months time substack looks uh, well substack looks pretty much like it does now perhaps with some more features to to make network effects uh more uh, noticeable and beneficial to uh publications that you know and, and writers that use the p- platform but what it has to be careful about is it needs to work harder at disabusing people of the notion that it is you know 
leans towards any kind of particular political side that one way to do that would be to sh- to have to to be able to publicly say well look we have a much wider variety of views within people who are in the substack pro program but of course at the moment it tries to mainly keep those quiet but you know well, all, all, so yeah the company itself says that the people on the pro program are free to disclose whether or not yeah i think but the it could do a little better in have in signing a few it could sign a few more stars from a, a broader who were willing to say publicly they were taking those deals from a kind of broader range of yes. political positions so that the uh, the the, uh, the the criticism that it's sort of pro the center right libertarian right view of things could be yeah, I, that's probably what it should do. I have to say, I'm not sure that that particularly stacks up, if you excuse the pun. And it's, all, it's obviously been concerned about uh, some reaction to some of the writers from the trans community and trans allies as well, which it is acutely aware of. And yeah, and I agree with that. But I would say, saying from a from a from a commercial point of view, from a you know a tactical point of view, it, it could do to get shot of or, or do better at. Um, addressing those criticisms or, or rooting away around them i don't think those criticisms are fair but we both know that criticisms can stick whether they're fair or not sure 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 yeah mud, mud certainly does stick uh the phrase by the way that substat uses it doesn't ask it's pro writers to be ambassadors for the company which i think i actually quite like i think that is fair enough i wouldn't like you know i wouldn't like it if either if either someone like you who writes on the platform or a pro writer who had one of those deals felt compelled to only say nice things about the platform. I don't think that. Yeah, would be I have. Good. I have zero loyalty to Substack other yeah. than that it's convenient to me at the moment because the system works. Yeah. For me at the moment, and I think the company understands that as well. So that's where we think it looks in six months. How about a year? Because <sighs> you mentioned it's taken big VC money recently. There's. Well, I think it may come up. What it will have to it will have to keep coming up with more features that can increase its take. So maybe, as so many social networks do, it goes more down the line of allowing um, commerce to go through those newsletters. So, oh. for instance, you know, I follow. Um, uh, like, I, I have a I, I receive a newsletter called Blackbird Spy Plane, which is a uh, which is kind of like a weird kind of fashion trainer head type one, which is not an area I'm that into necessarily, but I'm really interested Translating in Translating for our American, this is a sneaky, well, sneak head. Sneaker head is like, yeah, like a, yeah, sneaker head. So it's an American newsletter, but say, so that's very focused on fashion and stuff like that. Yeah. So perhaps Substack's future is in, uh, is bringing in more commercial features to allow. Yeah. Uh, TikTok has done not dissimilar things. Yeah. Stuff like that. So where you allow commerce, where they get a bigger take, but like, you know, it's possible. Cause one thing that would be very useful for newsletter creators in some ways is, okay, you can make money from subscriptions, but what about if you want to make money through merch? What about if you want to make money through, um, tying into video or whatever. There are all kinds of ways. Podcasts. If you're a, yeah, podcasts you can do on Substack already. There is audio thing, but it's not very good at the moment. Or, so that's or an obvious area find. of expansion as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think expansion in allowing, allowing creative creators on the platform to make money from things. And the more ways that 
creators can make money, the more areas that Substack can take a cut out of. <laughs> Bluntly. Um, and it's what it's it, there for. It's what it exists it, for. It is what it's there for. And I, I just as, as someone who reads this stuff, I, I'm kind of fascinated how it's developed. I don't think it will quite end up losing focus in the way medium has because i think it is very focused i think it knows what it is and it's not pretending to be something else i don't uh, think medium knew what it wanted to be i think but. that's right whereas i think substack does but i think you're right it's going to have to expand um and we will certainly be covering that on this show as it does so thank you so much mate, for giving some insight into the life of a of a creator of a, you, we, we'll call, let's call you an influencer let's do I it i just say i'm a i'm just a writer uh, definitely not an influencer um, you know um where can we keep up with you on substack and elsewhere uh just follow me on twitter at broken bottle boy you'll find the link to my substack there too but that's easy to get to it's brokenbottleboy.substack.com um yeah you get it, free issues come out seven days a week but there's um monday media diet which is an interview with a interesting person about what uh what media they consume comes out on mondays and on saturdays there's a briefing for subscribers that features interesting things to read from the week very good i'm at charlotte a henry on twitter do keep up with me and my colleagues over at the macobserver.com and i'll see you again next week bye